have a couple minutes before we actually officially begin, but I want us to sing a song tonight that I'm not sure you know. So we're going to go through one time and then we'll officially start. And if you know it, sing so I'll know how much work we have to do. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one. Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the ogres roar? When the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. And we can see that God, you're moving a mighty river through nation and young and old will turn to Jesus fling wide to heavenly gates prepare the way for the risen Lord open up the doors let the music play let the streets resound with Time of jubilee is coming when young and old return to Jesus. Fling wide to heavenly gates, prepare the way of the That was a warm-up. I wasn't sure how many people knew that song, and I wanted to make sure we went through it at least once before we actually sang it. So would you welcome the person that's closest to you and tell them they're glad you're here? 
As for me and my house, we will obey the Lord. It is our privilege to have Reverend Jim Dorsey, who is the Evangelism Ministries Director for the Church of the Nazarene in the U.S. and Canada. He's with us this evening, made the trip all the way. We want to just welcome you. Glad you're here. You will sense in his heart and in what's about to unfold his passion for people who don't know the Lord yet. And so that's the reason why I wanted us to sing this song. So, from the top, two, three, four. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one. Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar? When the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. And we can see that God, you're moving a mighty river through the nation. When young and old will turn to Jesus, fling wide you heavenly gates. Christ the risen one. 
thank you that that's a fact, that that's true. And we know it because you've demonstrated it to us. We also know it because it's true in our lives. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is hope. Your name is holy. Your name is above every other. Your name is life. We give you praise for that reality. We ask for the encouragement that comes from that too. And we ask that you'd use your servant to minister to our hearts so that we can minister for your sake in the ways that you've called us to. We look forward to it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's a delight to be back with you on the campus here and to share this time together this evening and tomorrow evening and talk about what the Lord is doing in the work of reaching new people through new churches. It's an exciting work. It's good to see Dr. Graves here and the faculty and, and the students and I believe God has something special for us these next couple evenings as we share together. I was reminded uh, tonight as we were visiting before the service that I was here a number of years ago to talk about new churches while I was still pastoring a new church. And we were just in the beginning steps of launching the New Start strategy. And the Bible College was one of the first places to invite us to come and speak. And I'll have to admit I was a little concerned about what kind of story we had to tell because we were just getting started as a denomination. Uh, in those early years, in the early 90s, we were starting about 30 or 40 churches a year and we were closing about 50 or 60 churches a year. And somewhere back in the halls at Kansas City in the headquarters, the bells started going off. And somebody said, hey, this doesn't work when you close 60 and start 40. This, this doesn't work, <laughs> you know. And we began to collect together other leaders who were interested in seeing churches start and launch that strategy. As we shared it here on the campus, there was real enthusiasm and excitement, almost to the place that I was intimidated that so many people were ready to go start a church. Uh, I think there were, there were close to 80 who said, yes, we'll go today. And we couldn't, I didn't know what to do with 80 church planters at that point. Didn't know what to do with them. But I'm thrilled to tell you tonight that since those days, we've, the Lord has done something across USA Canada. We were singing about it there tonight. This move of the Spirit of God, like a great river moving across our church. And we're over 1,300 new churches registered right now. And we're going to probably top about 2,000 new churches by our birthday as a denomination in 2008. Isn't that exciting? Amen. It's so exciting. God is doing something remarkable. Something we've never seen in our church before for decades to see dozens and dozens of churches starting all across USA Canada. 
Now, I'll have to confess that overseas on the mission field, they seem to get this idea of starting churches. And they've been doing it very well for years. But we've kind of been lagging behind. And just now are we beginning to understand what it's about. One of the reasons I'm so interested in the Bible College here and coming to share with you is I believe the Bible College here could be the training place for new church pastors. I think you could be the institution. I'd like you to be the West Point of church planters. You know, I'd like you to be the premier school. And I think we could do that. So pray with me about that. Will you do that? Pray with me about that. And let's work together to see how we can make this happen. Now, I realize I'm on the clock. And you have to go to class. So I'm going to hurry. But turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Because you really can't talk about new churches without talking about this adventure in faith. It just, it's a faith thing. And I don't know how else to start in this message tonight with you and in these next couple nights than to say, if you don't like adventure, if living on the edge is a little too scary for you, you may not want to think about starting churches. If you like the rush, <laughs> somebody said, you know, no fear t-shirts, you remember those? Somebody said that, a little fear. And, and underneath it, it said a little fear because if you don't have a little fear, you're not going fast enough, you know? That, that's something about starting churches. You have a little fear because you understand all that's at stake. Probably the question I'm asked most about starting churches is, where do you start? I mean, just, just imagine that you and your family are put in a U-Haul truck, and you're driven to a metropolitan area, and they say, okay, this is your street. This is your town. We'll see you in a year. Have a church for us. That's the way you feel. I mean, how do you start when you start a church? I thought of getting a big cardboard sign out along the freeway and say, we'll preach for food. <laughs> See if that'll work, you know? Where do you start when you want to start a church? Well, you really start where all people of faith start. Hebrews 1, 11.1 here says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. For this, this is what the ancients were commended for. I'm going to let that soak in just a minute. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do now. I can't think of a better description for starting a church. <laughs> we moved to Southern California to start this church. By the way, I was by this, this pastor, a new church out there. I don't know if you've heard of him. It's called Rick Warren. Did you ever hear of that guy? Yeah. 
we want to start a Nazarene church next door to Saddleback Community Church. Well, you see, if Burger King can start across from McDonald's, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it just makes sense. If they're catching fish there, I'm going to go fishing there. So, we go out to start this church. Didn't know anyone. Had no contacts, no core group. No place. To, in, in fact, you should have heard the conversation I had with my father-in-law who didn't go to church. We're moving from Ohio to Southern California. I'm packing up his daughter and two granddaughters, eight and four, his only grandchildren, who he loved more than me. <laughs> <laughs> And I was trying to describe to him, now we're going to go out and start this church. And so his question was, okay, uh, if I want to send some money to this church, what do I make the check out to? I said, well, we don't have a name yet. Well, where will I mail the check? Where, what's, where's, where's the church going to be? Well, we don't have a building yet. Well, there are going to be some, there's some people there waiting on you to help you unload the truck, right? I mean, you got people to help you start this. Well, no, there's no people yet. Well, where are you going to live? You have a house. Well, no, we don't have a house yet. We're, we're going to stay in this apartment until we get a house somewhere, somehow. Some way. I wish you could have seen his face. Trying to explain that to him. Imagine going to start a church and describing to everyone that you meet, we're going to start this exciting new ministry. It's going to be a place where you connect with other people on a different kind of level. You're going to be so close to them. You're going to know them, and they're going to, you're going to pray for each other. You're going to take care of each other. You're going to take care of each other's children. You're going to help them raise their kids, and they're going to help you raise your kids. And, and, and when you have needs and burdens and concerns, there are people who are there to help you. And, and you're going to worship and serve together, and you're going to help other people together. And, and every, every week when we get together, it's going to be such an uplift and a blessing. And, and we're going to lift each other and grow in the Lord and in our faith. And I mean, doesn't that sound exciting? And you talk to people about that, and they say, man, that's just the kind of church I've been looking for. That's so unlike any church I've ever been in. That's what I want. And you know, I would describe this to people. I, I prayed this prayer, Lord, lead me to those who are hungry for the gospel. Lead me to those who are looking for answers. And if you'll show me who they are, Lord, I'll talk to them. And I'll invite them to our church and we'll bring them to faith in you. So... So I just kind of took it as a cue that if anybody said hello to me, that was the signal. <laughs> so everybody you talk to, you know, you're at your dry cleaners and you're at the grocery store and you're pumping gas. Hey, have I got some great news for you. 
Well, my wife heard me doing this for weeks. And finally she pulled me aside. She said, you know, you're faking it. Excuse me? You're faking it. You're telling everybody about this church and how great it's going to be and how they all love each other and how the great music's going to be and, and it's all going to be real relevant and practical and it's going to mean something and we're going to... She said, we don't even have a building. We're not even having services yet. You're faking it. I said, oh, sweetheart. No, no, no. I'm faith in it. Because I can see it. I know it's going to happen. I can see this group coming to worship together. I can see families coming to know the Lord. I can see this. It's going to happen. You know how I could see it? It's about faith. <laughs> it's about being certain of what you're hoping for. About knowing what you cannot see. I went out to a pastor's conference while I was out there in those early days and, and they were bringing in um, young E. Cho to speak. He, he was struggling with only 750,000 members. Pastor Cho was praying that God would give him a million members in his church. I thought, you know, I might want to go hear this guy. And he preached for two hours. But I remember something he said in that sermon. It's never escaped me. He says, you pray and you seek after God's blessing and his anointing on your life. And you pray that he'll give you a vision and a, and a dream of what he wants to do. And then one day, you no longer have a dream. No, one day you no longer have a vision. One day you wake up and the vision has you. It reverses. It captures you. It, it captures your heart and your life. I, I, I just want to kick this out here. As you think about your future ministry, as you think about where you might go and what God might have for you, let me encourage you that there may be there may be an opportunity for you to do more than you ever thought was possible. Because God wants to do a new thing. God wants to reach new people. We, we don't... I have to be careful how I say this. We don't have to play the game of doing church. We don't have to just go through and pretend. It can be real. It can capture your life. You can pour yourself into something that makes an eternal difference. You can give your heart and life to something that really, really matters. And what I'm finding is, as we've 
as we've cast this notion of strong new churches being started the right way, there's been this host of people come out of the grandstands who've been sidelined and out of the game and said, you know, there are all these first stringers in there. There's all these super pastors and super churches. There's no place for me. And we're saying, wait a minute, what if we have another franchise? What if we start a new team? What if we go to a new town? What if you get to start fresh? You know the great thing about starting a church next door to Rick Warren? I had some people in our church that thought I was the greatest pastor in the world. You know why? They didn't know any other pastors. They never, they thought, they thought our church was the greatest church in all of California. You know why? They've never been to another church. There's something about reaching new people who've never been to church and have no frame of spiritual reference to bring them to faith and bring them into a community of faith that is so exciting and invigorating. And you read through the faith chapter and you see this picture over and over again of faith seeing what could happen, seeing what would be, being certain of what you're hoping for. Here's where you start. I went in the first day sat down at the desk with a legal pad the first hour on the first day on the job in California on purpose this was the first thing I did said dear friends and family if you don't pray for us we're gonna die <laughs> I need prayer warriors who are gonna pray for this new church because we're up against some incredible, powerful forces here that don't want this to work. And I need you to pray God's Spirit on this effort. And I got out my Christmas card list. And I got out my family mailing list. And we mailed out letters and recruited a thousand prayer partners and we wrote them once a quarter and said here's the five things if you don't pray about these five things we're not going to make it and it was incredible to me how God would work in situations that looked impossible and just turn them around within days our theme this week is about as for me and for my house let me tell you about one of those answers to prayer when we moved out there, we left a four-bedroom home in Ohio for sale that hadn't sold. We just drove off and left it with a for sale sign in the front yard. We moved out there to Southern California and found out that we could rent a three-room apartment. Now that's a master bedroom and a guest bedroom and a kitchen, living room, dining room, study, family room, everything in that third room. You know what I'm talking about. And that little three-bedroom apartment 
was three times as much money as our four-bedroom home back in the Midwest. You know all about this, don't you? So, we put everything in storage. We moved into this tiny little apartment. We set up a bed in the guest room for my two daughters, eight and four. The first night I go in to tuck them into bed. And the little one, the youngest, is laying up in bed and she's got the covers pulled up to her chin and she's just grinning. She's so happy. And her sister, the eight-year-old, is laying in the floor with a pillow and a blanket. And I said, what's this? And she said, I am not sleeping with my sister. Because she kicks and she rolls and she, I'm not sleeping with Lydia. I said, but that floor is pretty hard. I'm not sleeping with my sister. I want my own bed. I want my own bedroom. I want my own backyard. I want my greenhouse back in Ohio. I want my own school. I don't want to be here. She's strong-willed like her mother. <laughs> I said, okay, sweetheart. I kissed her on the forehead, kissed the other little one, and the other little one's laying there going, <laughs> I got the whole bed. I thought, I'll give this a couple nights. She'll, she'll cave in, this'll change. Came the next night, the next night, the next night, she's in the floor. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, every night, going to tuck them in. She's in the floor. And something started to happen to me. I got burdened about that. Lord, what, what am I doing here? I'm here to win all these other families and have my own family get out of sorts over this? I'm here to reach other young people and children for Jesus and my own kids don't want to do this? So I sent out in the next prayer letter a veiled request that said, please pray for my family as we make adjustments to Southern California. I didn't tell them all the details, none of their business. God knew. Sent out the prayer letter. Four nights later, after the prayer letter went out, I went in, now this has been weeks. Four nights later, I go in to tuck them in. They're both in bed. First time. And they're giggling. And I said, well, sat down on the bed. Well, good evening, ladies. It's good to see you in bed together. And I'm choking back. And they said, oh, yes, we've had such a good day. My oldest one said, Daddy, Mom took us down to see our new school. I just love it. And I met a new friend in the apartments today, and we've been swimming together in the swimming pool. I love the swimming pool. <laughs> and she said, I like, we're talking about going down to the beach with them, with this family, and we're going to have a picnic on the beach. And she, you know, Dad, I like California. <laughs> And that was just a coincidence, right? I mean, that was just a coincidence that she happened to be in that bed eight weeks. Took her to get in that bed. Just happened.
happened to be that the prayer letter went out four days before. No, I don't think it was a coincidence. You know what I found? A lot of coincidences happen when you pray. I started calling them God incidences. I started telling our church about them. So you remember, remember when we couldn't get in that school and they wouldn't let us be in and we had everybody. Now look, we're in this school. You remember we were trying to find a house and there's nothing in the market that we could afford. Look, we got a house. Remember that house back in Ohio that wouldn't sell? 15 houses on that street, wouldn't sell, been on the block for three years, none of them sold. My house sold. You know what? When you begin to ask God to make the difference, it makes a difference. And God instances start to happen. We started enfolding all this. And we started understanding that if we were real purposeful about believing God and trusting Him and putting our faith to work, He wanted to do something very special. I'm going to tell you the rest of it tomorrow night. Part two, the rest of the story. But, but let, me just, let me just coax you to start praying and thinking about it. Lord, what, what would you have me to do? I mean, what, what could I begin to dream and pray about and believe God for? Where would I love to see a new church? <laughs> Who are the people I'd love to see that church reach? How could I do church in a way that would really connect with them and make a difference in their life? Here's what I've discovered. You never see it here until you see it here. The world says, if I can see it, I'll believe it. The Word says, if you believe it, then you'll see it. Be certain of what you hope for. Believing in what's not there. I just imagine in a room like this, with young leaders full of potential and promise, there are all kinds of miracles that God wants to do. All kinds of places he wants to do it. And that 2,000 churches are showing us it can be done if we'll trust him. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. I thank you, Lord, for your presence tonight. I thank you for your word that's alive. I thank you for willing and open hearts who respond to your voice. And I pray that as you speak to us, we will obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Follow.